All right, well, welcome to our midweek service uh, this evening, and uh, we're going to wrap up a couple of verses here in Matthew chapter 2, as I have a kind of a question. Christmas is over, now what? Christmas is over, now what? We celebrate the birth of Christ, it's over, what do we do? Well, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2. And learn a couple lessons uh, from the wise men. And I have another question that we're going to learn from these wise men for us to consider. Will we continue our course towards Christ? The birth has happened. It's come. It's gone. Christmas is in the past. Well, there's one in the future too, Lord willing. But it's behind us. Will we keep our course Towards Christ. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, start in verse 9. And we read When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father, would you just be with your people this evening? We have many that are traveling, visiting family. Others are sick. Would you be with us that are gathered here this evening in your house in the middle of the week to ponder these truths from your word and the Spirit of God would do his work in the hearts and lives of your people and to those who may even need to trust in Christ as their Savior. Father, just do what you need. Would we allow you to do the work in us to conform us to the image of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So will we continue our course towards Christ? So here in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, When they heard the king, they departed, and the star which they saw in the east went before them. So right here, that's the star that they saw in the east. So to rewind a little bit, the birth of Christ already happened approximately two years ago, if you read the rest of the context. They go to King Herod. They ask where this king should be born. He does some research with some of the guys there in his kingdom, and they said, oh, it's going to be in Bethlehem. So they're leaving the presence of King Herod, and as they leave with a general direction, trying to find this baby that they've traveled many, many months to get to. When they exit from wherever they were with King Herod and they come out, they see the same star that they saw in the east. So when they saw this star in the east, they saw it the night Christ was born. They must have marked that location because what they did is they kept their course after they couldn't see it anymore. After the star disappeared, so the shepherds are there, the night Christ is born, 
The star goes away. They start traveling. It wasn't there the whole time for two years or whatever it was up there for. And we'll see later, that's why they greatly rejoiced when they saw it a second time. But the star which they saw in the east disappeared and they kept their course. It is easy for us to get off course, to go the wrong direction, to put forth effort to continue to follow Christ the way that we should. In Psalm 25, 12, it says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. God is going to help us as you're following him. The challenge is, many times, another familiar passage of scripture, a couple verses later in Matthew, in chapter 7, starting with verse 13, it says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many bear be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, people will commonly say there was only three wise men. I'm not sure how many there were. I kind of tend to think there was more than that, but there was at least two, possibly more, likely more. But relatively speaking, that's a small number if you factor in how many other people may have seen that star. When that star appeared the night Christ was born, it just didn't show up to those three wise men or those few wise men. It was there for all to see. How many followed? How many marked that location and decided to follow it? Here, they kept their course after it disappeared. In Psalm 119, 59, it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. You know, sometimes when we don't know what to do, the basic things in life, we need to be in God's house, in God's word, and in prayer, seeking God through his word. Here it says in Psalm 119, 59, what can help us keep the course and follow towards Christ? When you think on your ways and you consider, if I continue going and doing what I'm doing right now, where's that going to take me? So the psalmist here in 119, he's saying, I turned my feet unto thy testimonies, unto God's word. Are we following God's word? Sometimes we make it so difficult and challenging, and there are difficult times and circumstances. But if we are to follow the Lord and his word, just like these wise men, the birth of Christ has come, they saw the star, they must have marked it, and they followed after wherever it appeared, and they know close to where they're going to be. In Haggai, twice it says this, in chapter 1, verses 5 and 7, it says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. If we consider our way, what way are we heading if we stay the course where we're going right now? What is your mark? What are you going to follow? That star appeared. Is your mark, is, is the thing you're trying to follow, is it, is it Christ? Is it his word? Or is it my way? I want to please this person. I want to make this amount of money. I want that job. I want this new device. Whatever. Are those distracting us? Are we considering our way? 
These wise men traveled so far. You don't think there's other distractions? All the places they would have traveled. Ooh, those are neat. I've got all this gold here. Maybe I could buy that. All this frankincense. I can trade it and get some of this. Ooh, he wants some myrrh, frankincense, and gold. All these neat places and cities we can see and travel as we're coming from afar. You don't think there would have been distractions? It's not like they walked just a couple blocks down the road. They were traveling from afar, months of traveling. There easily could have been distractions. What is distracting us from continuing our course towards Christ? May we be like Paul, who is encouraging Timothy in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul, at the end of his life, was saying, I did everything I could. I finished what God had called me to do. And he had a rough, he didn't, well, he thought he was doing what the Lord wanted him to do early in his life. But once Acts 9 and him trusting in Christ, at the end of his life, he said, I finished my course. He was following Christ and teaching others to do likewise. Maybe it seems like tonight that star has just disappeared. We don't know exactly where to go, where to follow. That's why the psalmist said, with thy testimonies, turn my feet unto thy testimonies and to God's word. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. Just like the star was a light for the wise men to follow, so is the word of God for us to follow as the light here and now. We don't need a special star up in the sky. We have the word of God right here that we can read, that we can follow, and choose to obey. So the star which they saw in the east, we saw they kept their course after it disappeared, and it can keep their way from evil. Look at verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came over and stood where the young child was. And when they stayed their course, I just want to reference verse 12 very quickly. We'll get to it more later. But it said they were warned of God in the dream to go a different way. You know, sometimes if you just stay the course and just obediently do what you know you're supposed to do from the word of God, be sensitive to the spirit, obedient to the word, Sometimes just that alone will keep you out of trouble. It really will. And by verse 12, we see that. It keeps you from evil. In Proverbs 4, Solomon wrote this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let thine eyes look right on. and Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Sometimes it's not a matter of choosing, is it you know, good or best or you know, good, better, best type situation. That is wrong, so I know don't go there. If you're thirsty and you want water or a glass of milk, you don't go to a bar to get it. That's kind of the idea, okay? If you know it's wrong, don't do it. Ponder the path. Keep your eyes straight on. 
Don't turn to the left or the right. Here's an interesting verse. In Proverbs 16.3, it says this, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So you have the wise men committed to the course of following where that star appeared. They're, they're trying not to turn to the left or the right. They're keep on going. They're committing their work. They're committing their way to follow, to get to this babe who's going to be born king of the Jews. They committed to follow that, and you know what? It affected their thoughts. Because I have to stay the course, it affects my thinking. If I go this way, if I go there, just the, the situation that you find yourself in, it can affect the way that you think. If I go here, I'm going to think these thoughts. If I go near that person, I'm going to think those thoughts. If I see this person, I think those thoughts. Just being around people in certain situations can affect what you think. But these men, because they were committed to the course to follow Christ, to go the way that he was going to be born with the star that they saw, they committed to follow, they committed to their work, and because of that, your thoughts can be established. I am thinking and that affects what I do, and by what I do, it affects what I think. Very simple, that's Proverbs 16.3. So they kept their course after it disappeared. By keeping your course, it can keep you from evil. And they kept searching for the king. They kept on going till they got there, day after day, week after week, month after month. They kept on going. It reminds me of the kingdom parables in Matthew chapter 13. Where it says the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure in a hid field. That when a man had found it, he hideth it. And for joy he goeth himself all that he hath and buyeth that field. He saw something he really wanted and nothing was going to stop him to getting that. Could we be that way about following Christ? The challenge is we are so easily distracted We have so much access to God's word. If you don't have a physical copy, you have an electronic copy. You have it as an app. And if you're anything like me, I have several Bibles. I have some that stay in the office. I have some that stay at home. I have certain ones in my office, ones for devotions, one for study. I have a preaching Bible. it's It's crazy how many Bibles I have. We have so much access to it. But are we searching it? Are we reading it? Or are we getting distracted? Do we understand the value that we have at our fingertips? Are we willing to keep our course like these wise men? So the star which they saw in the east, they kept their course after it disappeared. They, that kept them away from evil. And they kept on searching for the king. And number two, we're going to see when they saw the star a second time in verse 10. So in verse 9, when they saw the star which was in the east, number 2, verse 10, when they saw the star a second time, look in verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now why did they get so excited with exceeding great joy when they saw it this second time, when they saw the star? If it was there the whole time, would they have been so excited? If they were following the star this whole time, they would, would they even have to go to King Herod? Probably not. 
But when they came out, it appeared to say, wouldn't that be exciting? After almost two years of walking to the destination that you know was going to be close, but not quite there, then you leave with a little bit more information. And as you exit that same star, you see it again. What was so significant about this star? I am not sure. But it was different than the rest. Maybe it was hanging lower. Maybe it was brighter. Maybe it was a combination. Maybe it was none of the above. I don't know. But what I do know is they knew the difference. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding great. It's like, we are almost there. This, is, this whole travel is now coming to an end. All those miles, all those rocks in my sandals, all the dirt on my feet and the hunger that I experienced and all the temptations that I faced along the way. And then they come out and they see that star and they were so excited that they rejoiced to continue walking towards the king with great joy. In Psalm 105 verse 3 it says, Glory in his name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. They were excited. They were rejoicing because they were seeking the Lord. And if you seek him early, you will find him. And you have not because you ask not. If you get on your knees and ask God, make the word of God come real, show me something new and exciting this day, just keep on reading. See what the Lord does. Just don't give him your leftover five minutes. All right, Lord, I've got three minutes today. You better, you better show yourself real to me because that's all I've got. Okay, you might get God's leftovers if you're giving him his. Just a thought. But they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. In Philippians 4, 1, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Paul was excited and longed for those believers in Philippi, that same excitement and joy. It's the same word used here as when they had great joy. Paul uses that same word in Philippians, my joy and crown, talking about the believers. We see this same word almost in anticipation of seeing something close up, face to face, something that you've wanted to see. That same word for joy we're going to see in 1 Peter 1.8. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice, here it is, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That same joy is the joy that these wise men found when they came out and saw that star a second time. It was almost unspeakable. We are almost there. Can you? I mean, it's, it's like if you're traveling for, it's like a little kid at Christmas. Oh, I love little kids at Christmas. My little one is now 11. It's still exciting, but when they're, when they're little, I don't know, two, three, up to, you know, whatever it is, it varies all of them. But there's just so much fun excitement. And then they get excited about the wrapping paper in the box. It's like, forget the gift, they want this. But they're so excited. Birthdays, they love birthdays. We all love birthdays until we don't want to count them anymore. <laughs> Isn't it kind of a funny life cycle? When you're little, you're always like, like, four and a half, or, you know, three and a half, five and a half, or three quarters. You're always getting older. Then you get to the point, <laughs> and then once you start getting in your 70s, 80s, you're like, I'm 84. I'm 91. I talked to a 91-year-old man the other day. 
91. Then it's like they are counting again. Because it's like they've made it so far. There's certain things that we rejoice and joy about. If the Lord and seeking him brings you zero joy, I would suggest you get on your knees and ask God to cleanse your way and make his life real and exciting to you. I know we all have different excitement levels and we all have ups and downs. I understand that. But if we're seeking God and it's always just like, I have to every single time. Do I always have to do this? I feel like this is just wasting my time. That's not how we're supposed to be. And I challenged the teens. We're going to go over a couple verses out of, first, out of John. First, second, and third John, actually. But around Christmas time, there should be no happier, not just based on circumstance. Circumstances come and go, and it sometimes circumstances are no fun. But a true joy that comes from within, knowing the reason for the season and the birth of my Savior, the birth of your Savior, the birth of the world's Savior was coming to take away our sin. That alone ought to be very joyous, knowing I don't have to bear that burden anymore. I don't have to carry my sin anymore. That should give us great joy. So that same word for joy is used in 1 John 1, 4. You could almost use this as a purpose statement here. In 1 John 1, 4, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And if you read the rest of 1 John there in surrounding context, it's talking about obedience. It's talking about the difference between light and darkness. You can't have both. How do you get full of joy? Get out of the darkness. Follow the light. Seek the star. Learn more of Christ. Continue your course towards Christ. If you want to be miserable and sad and frustrated, do your own thing. See where it takes you. There will be moments that will be more fun and easier. That is true. But in the long run, what made the joy so exciting for these wise men is they had traveled so far and went so long seeing nothing. Just that one night they saw the star, followed, and they come out. After being so close, they saw the star again. They were so excited. That same word. I want to go over a couple other examples here in Second John, verse 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come unto you and to speak face to face. Why? That our joy may be full. That same joy is used again there about someone wanting to see something face to face, get something close. It's the same word of joy here with the wise men. One last example, 3 John verse 4. I have no greater, here it is, joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You read through Proverbs, if children are disobedient, most of the time it's negative and it brings down the mother. So father, make sure your children are in line, it'll help your wife. Father, help your wife with the children, it'll make your wife's life easier, it'll make you a little bit easier. If you read through Proverbs, you'll see that. And here, John is saying that he has no greater joy and to hear that his children walk in truth. You know why it's so exciting? They're doing it on their own. You teach children to walk and to talk. They learn words from you. Oh, I remember the first couple times with each of your children when they say, I love you, unprompted, all on their own. 
They start obeying all by themselves. Sometimes you feel like it's never going to happen, but eventually your children obey on their own and you're like, praise God. Yes, it wasn't in vain. They do listen and learn and can do it on their own. Those days do come and they happen. It's exciting to see it. That brings joy. That same word for joy that John is talking about with these young men, with the children that walk in truth, is the same joy these wise men have when they come out and they see the star a second time. All kinds of joy. Let's look at that again really quick and then we have to move on there. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. This is like an overflowing, an abundance amount of excitement and joy coming from these wise men. So we saw the star, which we saw in the east. Number two, when they saw the star a second time. Number three, they saw the young child in verse 11. They saw the young child. Let's look at verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, notice it's a house, not a manger. There was a lot of time here, about two years. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child, not a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They saw a young child. They saw a young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know what's great when you obey God and you do your best to stay in the path? I've traveled all over this country, different states, have lived in a couple different corners of this country. You know one thing I like? When you visit family, when you're on the road vacation and you go to a church, sometimes it just feels like home. There's already a bond if you go to a similar type church. I've been in, from Washington State to Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and some places in between. There's just something about it. What do they? They go into the house and they see Mary. Mary knew who Christ was. These wise men knew who this young child was. There's a bond there right away. If you are following and you're committed to following Christ and you follow him, you're continuing your course towards Christ, you're going to find other believers along the way that will encourage you, that can help you. You don't always feel like you have to be yourself. And these wise men, it's not the wise man. Or a wise guy, <laughs> okay? This is the wise men. They were traveling together. And then they reach their destination and they run into Mary. Oh yeah, of course every baby has a mother. Of course this one didn't have a human father, but he does have a mother. But they met them. It's encouraging to meet other Christians along the way. What did they do? Why did they do all this? Why are there so much excitement? Why so much joy? Why this long travel? Why bring such expensive gifts? Look with me in verse 11. They came to the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Here's why. And fell down and worshiped him. They knew exactly who he was. They got on their face. They got on their knees and they worshiped him. They traveled all that way just to bow down to a young child, a toddler. I find it hard to believe that we have people assembling here tonight. And if we came here to the church this evening... And we decided to take a trip to the nursery so we could all bow down to the two-year-old. He's got snot coming out of his nose. He's got leftover lunch on his face and has socks that he can't keep on his feet. And we're coming down and we want to worship a baby? Just think about that. For, that's exactly what they did. Did he have socks? Probably not. Did he have leftover food? I don't know. But he was still a young child and they came 
and they bowed themselves. These wise men traveled from afar to worship a baby. Approximately two years old, this young child. When they did this, they worshiped the king. The shepherds did something very similar. In Luke 2.20, the shepherds, when they returned, they glorified and praised God for all the things that they had heard and seen. As it was told them, they got excited when they saw the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They couldn't help but tell others. The wise men, do you think when they travel back, they're going to travel all the way back home and you're going to sit there and go, oh, where have you been? Hmm. Did you see anything? Maybe. No, they probably got back and like, hey, could you, we traveled all that way. We saw the Messiah. We saw the Son of God. We had the privileged opportunity to see him with our own eyes. Do you think that they had some excitement when they got back home? I'm assuming that they did. I don't think they just went back and were like, okay, well, that was neat. Okay, what are we going to do next? I don't think so. I think they were very excited when they went back. Today, sometimes I think that we have something so precious and valuable, but we're trying to be like secret service Christians, like undercover Christians. I'm not saying you're going to run around and beat people over the head with the Bible. I literally had a girl in high school when I was there in Washington State. It was not good. <laughs> uh, it was just about the time I was saved, but she had her Bible, and she would literally, she was known, she was weird, okay? She had other issues, but <laughs> she literally would run around and hit people in the head with the Bible and tried to get them to, you know, you need to read your Bible. She would literally hit them in the head and stuff and like hit their backpacks and stuff with the Bible. You know what it accomplished? Nothing. It, pushed, it really pushed people where they're like, she is weird. And they were right, she was. We don't need to be like overly crazy, but we do need to allow the word of God to affect our lives where we live different. We, we give up time to go to church. You go to church four times? Yep, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're crazy. And you give 10% of your income too? You're really weird. People can think you're weird. But some of these things, we just want to spend time and get to know the word of God. We want to be obedient to him in all areas of our life. You mean you didn't drink anything with alcohol over Christmas? Your eggnog was just eggnog? The non-alcoholic, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't know the, that people put eggnog or alcohol in eggnog. I never knew that. But apparently people do. You don't do that at Christmas? No. Because wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You don't do those things? Nope. You're weird. Okay, I'll be weird. There's something different. that These guys went out of their way to worship this young child. And what did they do? They worshiped him and, look at this, and went and opened up their treasures. They presented unto them. No. They presented unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. What treasure do you possess that you could present unto God? God is not asking you to do the miraculous and amazing that's above and beyond what you're capable of doing. What do you have? What treasure do you have right now that you could present unto Christ? They had gold and frankincense and myrrh. They probably bought and sold, but they had the means to get it, and they traveled with it. 
but it's something that they had, something that they possessed. And then they presented it unto Christ. When you look at it here, it says, they didn't present it unto Mary. She's the only other one mentioned in this verse. They presented it. What's a two-year-old going to do with gold and frankincense and myrrh? Take it to the bank of Bethlehem and save it? <laughs> well, probably more immediately, they might use some of that to get out of to Bethlehem into Egypt. But they presented unto them. What are you going to present unto him? During this Christmas season, what do you have? Paul told the church in Corinth, it's not accepted according to what you have not. It's according to what you have. It's if you first have a willing mind. It's accepted according to what you have and not what you, what you have not. God is not asking you to give something that you don't already have. God already knows what you have. He just wants obedience. He wants you to follow him with your talents and gifts and abilities that you have. Here's what you don't see. You don't see these wise men going, and, and this is what I picture. I picture you got the wise men, how many of them were? Let's say four. Let's do something different. Okay, four. There's four wise men. This wise man, number one, is looking, oh, how much gold is he doing? Oh, I guess I can give a little bit more of my gold. How much frankincense does he have? Oh, I don't have any frankincense. They're not comparing how much they have one to another. They are on their face. They're worshiping. They're presenting what they have to him. You know the danger of today, I've worked with teenagers for a while, is they want to compare what they have to what others, especially other teens, have. When you want to get down and out, you compare yourself to someone that's better. When you want to feel good about yourself, you compare yourself to someone that's, I'm way better than them. Man, that makes you feel good. But when you're having an Eeyore day and things aren't going well and it's rainy and cold and dark, you know, and the sky is falling and I'll just compare myself to someone that's good because it makes me even feel even worse about myself. Because look, she's got everything. Probably had a perfect Christmas. The family and everything and actually got gifts and all this stuff and I got nothing. It's easy to have a pity party. These guys are not comparing. You know, Christ used this example of comparing in Luke 18. It says, two men went to a temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, a religious man, and the other a publican, a sinner. And what happened was the, the Pharisee there in Luke 11 was saying, you know what, we should turn to that really quick. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 18. Let's look at verse 10 there. It says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as the other men are. Oh, wow. They're extortioners. They're unjust. Adulterers. Even as this publican. Ha! Hey, who's that guy? I think he is even praying in this temple. Who does he think he is? I fast twice a week. I go to all four services. I give more than 10%. I even give to missions. Above my tithe. Ha! Take that. I give tithes of all I possess. Every penny that comes in. Every tomato out of my garden. I give it all. Boy, this guy is just something, isn't he? Sometimes we can be just like that religious Pharisee. I'm always in church. I read my Bible every day. I'm such a spiritual guy. I'm not like the homeless in Baltimore. Man, they got some problems. 
verse 13, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven. Almost sounds like worship, doesn't it? Like the wise men bowing down to a toddler. Not so much as lift their eyes to heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I am no good. I don't deserve anything from you. How does Christ conclude this? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know what these wise men did? They humbled themselves, took of their gifts, took of their wealth, took of their time, worshipped, presented what they had unto Christ. Some things are not so different today. What do you have? Are you exalting yourself with how great and how godly and how good you are? That kind of takes Christ out of the picture, doesn't it? I mean, if you're so good, what did Christ have to go to the cross for? Maybe we need a dose of humility, eat some humble pie for New Year's Day and recognize, you know what, I really am a, a sinner and I need God's grace and his mercy every day of my life. I don't deserve the very breath that I have or the roof to keep me dry, the car to drive in, the food to eat, the clothes to wear, all the gifts that you wanted and didn't get or complained about the ones you did get. They presented unto him, what are you going to present unto God? So we saw the star, which they saw in the east in verse 9. Number two, we saw the star a second time in verse 10. They saw a young child, verse 11. In verse 12, they saw a warning of God. Turn back with me to Matthew 2, verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. This is kind of why I referenced it back in verse 9. But here, they had worshipped, they presented unto this, the, to Christ, a toddler, what they had, and what did God do? God warned them in a dream, do not return to Herod. And they probably almost expected this. When you have a king that you go to and you're in his kingdom and you ask him, oh, where is he in your kingdom that's born king of the Jews? You know what King Herod's saying? Oh, there's another king born in my kingdom. Oh, boy, would I like to meet him. I too would like to worship him. Wink, wink. No, he wants to take his head off. He doesn't want a king born in his kingdom. That threatens his kingship. And it's about him. He's exalting himself. So you know what God did to the wise men? Don't return to King Herod. Go a different way. Go the long way around. You know, sometimes doing the right decision means going the long way. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes doing what's easy or right is not what's easy. That's not always the case. The world is going to convince you to do Feed the flesh, do this, do that. Walk and talk with the world. Go to the worldly places. Talk like them. Walk like them. God warned them, don't return back. Don't go back. 
God can do the same for us. If you're following him, seeking him in, your, in his word, you're asking for wisdom and for guidance, the lamp and the light. You don't think he's going to show you and help you? It's not like we're going to, we're going to make mistakes. We'll get in the flesh from time to time. But here, sometimes God just warns us and guides us. You know, were you ever one of those days where you leave the house a little bit late and then just down the road, you see someone that, you know, you could have hit you or smashed you on the road and you thought, wow, if I left when I wanted to, I probably would have been T-boned. You know, just simple little things like that. Sometimes it's not always the mystical and the crazy. It's just the little things. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return, they departed into their country another way. They saw a warning, and sometimes that helps keep us from evil. In Proverbs 18, 15, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. In Proverbs 14, 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but folly of fools is deceit. And I love these verses. Sometimes it's as simple as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Sometimes I don't understand. Why go the long way? I don't know, but that's what God said to do, so we're just going to go the long way back home. King Herod, he had that little smirk in his face and a little twinkle in his eye when he said he wanted to worship. Maybe that's why. Yeah, you know, Zechariah, that's probably why. Okay? They went another way. Just trust in the Lord. Trust in his word. He won't lead you. God's not going to lead you and guide you into sin. He's going to lead you from it. A lot of times he's going to lead you from yourself. His desires become your desires as you walk with him. They saw a warning. And then they returned with the message, just like the shepherds returned with their message, just like the woman at the well returned to share Christ with others, just like the many that Jesus healed. Sometimes he'd be like, shh, don't say anything. He probably wanted to stay in that town longer, but they couldn't help the change in their life to share what, the, what Christ had done for them. I think that's what the wise men did. So Christmas is over, now what? The question is, will we continue our course towards Christ? Father, we thank you so much for this evening. Being able to pause in the middle of our week after Christmas. Going through all the heavy rain this evening. And just pausing in the middle of our week. To think about you and your word. To learn some lessons from these wise men. Would you help us all to continue in our course towards Christ through the difficult times, through the good times, Lord, would we just learn to walk with you and keep our course? Would you help us and would you be with us as we seek you through your word? And we come to you in Christ's name. Amen.